my job on this expedition to try and find any evidence, dead or alive, to the existence of this. We have a guest in the garage today, Mr. Biscuit. He's a fox terrier. It's an 11 year old fox terrier. And he's gonna catch the mice. He already found a nest. He did. He found the nest, but there was no mice in it. He he was chomping at something. I was heavy smelling there. Yeah, but there was nothing in the bag. I looked. Yeah. And then he found a toy. And now that's just going to consume his whole time here. Probably. You're supposed to be hunting. He was, you know, he had this intense look on his face with the toy <laughs> hanging out of his mouth as he's like pointing toward an area where the mice probably were at some point. Yeah. It's a pretty entertaining photo that we took. <laughs> Maybe he'll catch one. Hopefully. Maybe. He caught one in my backyard. Yeah. I was cleaning up dog poop today. You know, scooping up the turds and I find a turd and I like, oh, that's a weird looking piece of poop. Like, uh-huh. What did my dog eat? Like, what did my child feed my dog? <laughs> and I flip it into the, you know, the scooper pan, and it was a dead mouse. Oh, gross. Yeah. At least they're doing their jobs. And they don't eat it. They just chomp and That's walk away. fine. I'm, I'm, like, Please don't eat it. I think that's better. <laughs> it's a lot better. <laughs> Lou has only caught a bunny, and he's not caught anything else. And it, it was a poor defenseless baby bunny. <laughs> so... A biscuit caught a bunny about four years ago when we first moved in. A big bunny? A big bunny. Oh, nice. It, was, it decided to come into my yard, and oh. right as my husband was letting the dog outside. Uh-huh. And that's when we just had Mr. Biscuit. Oh, All man. I know is I got a text message from my hu- from my husband with a dead rabbit sitting by the front door, and my dog sitting there smiling, covered in blood. <laughs> wow, that's a sight. <laughs> Oh, I guess I guess we don't have a rabbit problem anymore. No. All right. Good boy. He is. He's just gonna hang out with us today. That's fine. At least he may, hopefully he'll find he'll find the rats. Get him. They're not really rats. <coughs> it's just a mouse, but it might be the moles. You think a mole would? No, that's probably different. Yeah, I was gonna thing. say I don't think a mole would come into my garage and make a home. No, that's definitely it. Looked like a mouse nest, but we'll find out. Yeah. Get him. So. I know I already told you this, but I figured I'd let our, our new friends know. Yeah. My son scared the living poo out of me. <laughs> yeah. Again. I know. He's done this twice now. <laughs> so we've all talked about imaginary friends and how, like, sometimes they're good. Like, they're they're just they're imaginary. And sometimes they're supernatural. So we're hanging out in the backyard. I'm in the mowing, middle of mowing, and my son comes up and taps on me. Mind you, my son's three. And he goes, Mommy, Mommy, I want you to meet my friend. Like, your friend? Who's your friend? He goes, look, it's Chase. I'm like, Chase? Who's Chase? He goes, and Rubble and Sky from Paw Patrol. <laughs> I'm like, okay, child. Thank you for giving me a heart attack. That's great. Oh, I love that he's done this to you twice. <laughs> One of these days it's going to be real. Then I'm going to freak out. Yeah. 
Because the first one was Charlie, and that was really creepy. Yeah, Charlie is a weird name. Like, that could definitely belong to a ghost. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, other than that, has your week been, been going good? Yeah. Pretty good? Yeah. So far, so good. Awesome. Can't complain. Yeah. I don't have much going on for the week. Next week's going to suck. Why? Because I'm working Friday through Friday. Oh, why? So I have Thursday, Friday off. Yeah. Or not Thursday, Friday. I have Wednesday, Thursday off. And I work Friday, normal. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, normal. And then I got started training Monday through Friday, which is in, in the middle of the week is when I have my weekend. So I don't have a weekend, and it's just going to be Friday through Friday. I get next weekend off. Oh, I would hate that, though. Yeah. 8 to 4 instead of 6.30 to 3. Ugh. Are you going to have time to do the podcast? We'll figure next it out. Next week? Okay. Might be a little tired. All right, that's fine. You yawn a lot during our <laughs> I had <an> excuse. sessions. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> It's fine. It's just like, am I boring her? What? <laughs> You're not boring me. It's just up until last week, I was studying for finals and dealing with the three-year-old and everything else that I do. And it's like, this is just the one tired. time I get to sit and relax and just talk about randomness. And that's when the yawns come out. So hopefully I'll be yawning less. <laughs> hopefully. So I apologize about my yawning. That's I, mean, okay. I didn't think I was yawning that much, but who knows? It's just like in the middle of me talking, I hear the... <gasps> <laughs> I promise it's not boring. I just my brain needs oxygen. <laughs> but you do it also right before you start to talk sometimes, and it's just like I can't cut that out. You, I guess you could. I don't know. It just would sound really funny. I already sound funny. No, you don't. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're really gonna get into this right after my weird fact because this is a really good weird fact. The Romans used to clean and whiten their teeth with urine. Ew. Apparently it works. I'm not that desperate. But, yeah, don't do it. That's nasty. <laughs> that is, uh, we have dentists, people. Just go to the dentist. Yeah, Taryn, go to the dentist. I, you'll be pregnant. <laughs> I have three appointments within the next month and a half with the dentist. Good. And it's your dentist. Yay. And they already drilled in my mouth. So I love her. She's she the best the dentist. Drilling. The other guy did. Yeah. Because you're supposed to go to the dentist one, like twice a year. Yeah, that doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> it does now for me, just because I love that dentist so much. You're in the Fort Wayne area. Go see Tessa Krieger. She's the greatest dentist ever. I really she like seems her. seems sweet. But don't know too many of you can't go, though, because I need to have time for my appointments. So... Don't, too many of you don't go. <laughs> All right, we're going to get right on into this. I told you right before what we were talking about. But before, so we're going to do a creepypasta, which for those of you who don't know what a creepypasta is, it's just a story. It's not fact at all. It's just a creepy story. But I'm going to throw some facts at you. Now, is in this creepy story is there anything like two stories behind it that lead to the creepy story oh probably because it's the russian sleep experiment and the russians did a lot of experiments on people so this isn't completely unfounded that this could possibly happen so there might be some fact to our weird creepy stories maybe 
All right. Well, before we get into the actual creepypasta story, I'm going to throw some facts out at you. You know what? No, I'm not. I'm going to go straight into the story. I lied. No, we should do You sure you don't want to do the facts? No, no, no. I'm going to go through the story first and then do the facts because it's going to make more sense. Where's the fun of that? It's more sense for our listeners. You're going to be like, why am I spouting off all this weird stuff? What is this about? I'm just going to read the story to you. And it's a long one. If you want to interject, that's fine. I probably will. Okay. Russian researchers in the late 1940s kept five people awake for 15 days using an experimental gas-based stimulant. Yes, to find out how long you can stay awake before your body gives out on you. Yeah. Exactly. So you've heard of this creepypasta. Yeah. Kind of? Sure. We'll go with that. Okay. Cool. They were kept in a sealed environment to carefully monitor their oxygen intake so the gas didn't kill them, since it was toxic and high concentrations. This was before closed-circuit cameras, so they had only microphones and five-inch thick glass porthole-sized windows so they could monitor them. So they obviously couldn't videotape them, so they had to watch them. The chamber was stocked with books, cots to sleep on, no bedding, running water, had a toilet, and enough dry food to last all five for over a month. For a long time. Yes. The test subjects were political prisoners deemed enemies of the state during World War II. Everything was fine for the first five days. They were fine. The subjects hardly complained about having been promised that they would be freed if they submitted to the test and did not sleep for 30 days. Yeah, but it, after five days, you start getting headache, you're, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff starts happening, your nails start getting all nasty, your hair starts falling out, and your mind goes crazy, and you eventually die. Not after five days. Starting after five days, the symptoms start showing. Well, let's find out. Well, their conversations and activities were monitored, and it was noted that they continued to talk about increasingly traumatic incidents in their past. And the general tone of the conversations took on a darker aspect after the four-day mark. After five days, they started to complain about the circumstances and events that led them to where they were and started to demonstrate severe paranoia. They stopped talking to each other and began alternately whispering to the microphones and one-way mirrored portholes. So they would just talk about, talk about the other guys. This guy's trying to kill me. That's the craziness that starts to set in that I was talking about. He used all the toilet paper. <laughs> He's making a shake. <laughs> He's making a shake. <laughs> Oddly, they all seem to think they could win the trust of the experimenters by turning over their comrades. At first, the researchers suspected this was an effect of the gas itself. After nine days of no sleep, the first of them started screaming. Well, this guy who was screaming, he ran the length of the chamber repeatedly. He kept running back and forth, yelling at the top of his lungs for three hours straight. That's going to have to make you want to shoot somebody. Yeah. He continued attempting to scream, but was only able to produce occasional squeaks. That's because he, like, 
probably ripped his vocal cords. Yeah. The researchers thought that he had physically torn his vocal cords. So just what we said. Look at us. We're researchers. Yay. (laughs) The most surprising thing about this behavior is how the other captives reacted to it. Or rather, didn't react to it. They continued whispering to the microphones until the second of the captives started to scream. The two non-screaming captives took books apart, smeared page after page with their own feces, and pasted them calmly over the glass portholes. As soon as they put that last paper up on the porthole so no one could see in, the screaming stopped. Weird. Mm. Nasty. The whispering into the microphones also stopped. After three more days passed, the researchers checked the microphones hourly to make sure they were working. Since they thought it was impossible that no sound could be coming with five people in there. Well, four, because the other one probably can't talk anymore. So, either way. The oxygen consumption in the chamber indicated that all five must still be alive. In fact, it was the amount of oxygen five people would consume at a very heavy level of strenuous exercise. So a lot of oxygen was being used for more than five people. On the morning of the 14th day, the researchers did something they said they would not do in order to get a reaction from the captive. Captives. They used the intercom inside the chamber, hoping to provoke any response from the captives they were afraid were either dead or vegetables. Did they just say hi? They're just trying to get a response. They announced, we're opening the chamber to test the microphones, step away from the door and lie flat on the floor, or you will be shot. Compliance will earn one of you your immediate freedom. Debate broke out among the researchers and the military force that was funding the research. They were unable to provoke any more response using the intercom, and it was finally decided to open the chamber at midnight on the 15th day. The chamber was flushed of the stimulant gas, filled with fresh air, and immediately voices from the microphones began to object. Three different voices began begging and pleading to turn the gas back on. They were addicted. Sounds like it. The chamber was opened and soldiers sent in to retrieve the test subjects. They began to scream louder than ever. And so did the soldiers when they saw what was inside. This is where it gets bad, guys. Four of the five subjects were still alive, although no one could rightly call the state that any of them as life. So their heart was beating. Technically, yes, their heart was beating. They were still alive. The food rations past day five had not been so much as touched. So not only were they not sleeping, they weren't eating. There were chunks of meat from the dead subject's thighs and chest stuffed into the drain of the center of the chamber blocking the drain and allowing four inches of water to accumulate on the floor. They never did determine how much of the water was actually blood. All four surviving test subjects also had large portions of muscle 
and skin torn away from their bodies. The destruction of flesh and exposed bone on their fingertips indicated that wounds were inflicted by hand, not with teeth, like they originally thought. Well, at least they didn't go cannibal. Closer examination of the position and angles of the wounds indicated that most of it, if not all of them, were self-inflicted. They were tearing chunks of themselves off. That's just nasty. Yes. The abdominal organs below the ribcage of all four test subjects had been removed, while the heart, lungs, and diaphragm, diaphragm remained in place. The skin and most of the muscles attached to the ribs had been ripped off, exposing the lungs through the rib cage. All the blood vessels and this is not funny, but the, the face you're giving me is funny. <laughs> All the blood vessels and organs remained intact. They had just been taken out and laid on the floor, fanning out and around the bodies of the subjects, the still living bodies of the subjects. So they were just kind of spread out around them. Doesn't mean they haven't like haven't been in that state for long because they would have been dead. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm, just, I, I'm not <laughs> a one either. I'm just saying like infection would have set in and you know death was obviously close by already, but still. Yeah. Well, let's continue with the mutilated bodies. I don't know how you're saying this, and my my son is like. <laughs> Poking and prodding me in my stomach as we're doing this. <laughs> That's a weird time to kick, child. <laughs> oh, it is. Oh. The digestive tract of all four could be seen to be working and digesting food, which was weird because they hadn't eaten in a really long time. So how are they digesting food? Unless they're eating themselves. Ooh. Oh, okay. It quickly became apparent that what they were digesting was their own flesh that they had ripped off and eaten over the course of days. Yeah, they ate themselves. Icky. Icky indeed. Most of the soldiers were Russian special operatives at the facility, but still many refused to return to the chamber to remove the test subjects. They continued to scream to be left in the chamber and alternately begged and demanded that the gas be turned back on lest they fall asleep. To everyone's surprise, the test subjects put up a fierce fight in the process of being removed from the chamber. One of the Russian soldiers died from having his throat ripped out. Another was gravely injured by having his testicles ripped off. And an artery in his leg being severed by one of the subject's teeth. Yeah, that hurt. Sorry to all you men out there who just got this jolt of pain right where it hurts. Another five of the soldiers lost their lives, if you count ones that committed suicide in the weeks following the incident. In the struggle of one of the four living subjects had his spleen ruptured and he bled out almost immediately. The medical researchers attempted to sedate him, but this proved impossible. He was injected with more than 10 times the human dose of morphine and still fought like a cornered animal, breaking the ribs and arm of one doctor. His heart was seen to beat for full two minutes after he had bled out to the point there was more air in his vascular system than blood. 
Even after it stopped, he continued to scream and flail for another three minutes. Struggling to attack anyone in reach and just repeating the word more over and over. Weaker and weaker until he finally fell silent. Their surviving three subjects were heavily restrained and moved to a medical facility. The two with intact vocal cords continuously begged for the gas, demanding to be kept awake. Did they ever prove why they wanted to stay awake? At the end. At the end. The most injured of the three was taken to the only surgical operating room that the facility had. In the process of preparing the subject to have his organs placed back within his body, it was found that he was effectively immune to the sedative they had given him to prepare him for surgery. He fought furiously against his restraints when the anesthetic gas was brought out to put him under. He managed to tear most of the way through a four-inch wide leather strap on one wrist, even though the weight of a 200-pound soldier holding that wrist as well. Still almost broke through it. It took only a little more anesthetic than normal to put him under. In the instant his eyelids fluttered and closed, his heart stopped. In the autopsy of the test subject that died on the operating table, it was found that his blood had tripled the normal level of oxygen. His muscles that were still attached to a skeleton were badly torn and he had broken nine bones in a struggle to not be sedated. Most of them were from the force his own muscles has had exerted on them. I didn't know your own muscles could break your bones. I did not know that either. According to this story, it can. So now we're down to two. I wonder if, like, they were, the gas did something to them. Obviously, it made them immune to some of the sedatives. But Mm -hmm. you said that the oxygen intake was of, like, five people working out heavily. Yes. But obviously, they weren't working out heavily when they were... All laying on the ground. All laying on the ground with their intestines on the ground. Yeah. So maybe because of the gas, the oxygen intake had to be more because there needed to be more blood in your, or more oxygen in your blood so that your blood will flow properly compared to your gas. Mm-hmm. Because it was toxic even at their low levels that they were using. Yeah. The second survivor had been the first of the group of the five to start screaming. So his vocal cords were destroyed. So he was unable to beg or object to the surgery. He only reacted by shaking his head violently in disapproval when the anesthetic gas was brought near him. He shook his head yes when someone suggested, very reluctantly, that they try the surgery without anesthetic. He did not react for the entire six-hour procedure of replacing his abdominal organs and attempting to cover them with what remained of his skin. I feel like the gas made them numb. Like, they didn't have any pain. Maybe. Maybe. Like, took away the nerve endings. Mm-hmm. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Or else, how else would they... Be able to do any of that? any of that, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. die from pain. Yeah. Pass out from pain. Oh, yeah, definitely. So I feel like the gas just took away your nerve endings, so you couldn't feel anything. Maybe. When you fell asleep, it brought all the nerve endings back, and then you died. Ooh, maybe. I like it. Well, the surgeon... Presiding stated repeatedly that it should be medically impossible for the patient to still be alive, like we just discussed. One terrified nurse assisting the surgery stated that she had seen the patient's mouth curl into a smile several times whenever his eyes met hers. Creepy. (laughs) Not the time to be flirting when your intestines are on the floor. (laughs) 
right? <laughs> like, hi, you've seen more of hey. than I have. Do you like what you see? <laughs> Gross. <laughs> oh, yeah. When the surgery ended, the subject looked at the surgeon and began to wheeze loudly, attempting to talk while struggling. Assuming this must be something of drastic importance, the surgeon had a pen and pad fetched so the patient could write his message. He simply wrote, keep cutting. Ew. I know. Sick masochist. Maybe it felt like, okay, so your nerve endings are gone, right? Maybe yeah. the sensation of cutting or ripping felt yeah. good. Good? Maybe. But there are tons of things out there. Like masochists who like pain is actually enjoyable. Maybe he was one. Maybe he was. Maybe he was beforehand and now this was just like, heck yeah. Orgasm. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if his penis would work anymore. He lost so much blood. (laughs) I wasn't even thinking about that. Okay. The other subject was given the same surgery without anesthetic, although he had to be injected with a paralytic for the duration of the operation, so he couldn't move. The surgeon found it impossible to perform the operation while the patient laughed continuously. Yeah. That's disturbing. Yeah. Once paralyzed, he could only follow the attending researchers with their with his eyes. The paralytic cleared his system in an abnormally short period of time and they were soon trying to and he was soon trying to escape his bonds the moment he could speak he was again asking for the gas researchers tried asking why he injured himself and why he ripped out his own guts and why he wanted to be given the gas again fair question i think Legitimate question. Be the first question I'd ask. The only response that was given was, I must remain awake. All subjects' restraints were reinforced and they were placed back into the chamber, awaiting determination as to what should be done with them. The researchers, facing the wrath of their military benefactors for having failed the stated goals of their project, considered euthanizing the surviving subjects. The commanding officer, an ex-KGB, instead saw potential and wanted to see what would happen if they were put back on the gas. Interesting. The researchers strongly objected, but were overruled. In preparation for being sealed in the chamber again, the subjects were connected to an EEG monitor and had their restraints padded for long-term confinement. To their surprise, all the subjects stopped struggling the moment it was let slip that they were going back on the gas. So they were very, very excited. It was obvious at this point, the subjects were putting up a great struggle to stay awake. One of the subjects, the one that could speak, was humming loudly and continuously. The mute subject was straining his legs against the leather bonds with all his might. First his left, then his right, then his left again. For something to focus on to stay awake. Having been first to be wired for EEG, most of the researchers were monitoring his brain waves in surprise. They were normal most of the time, 
but sometimes flatlined inexplicably. It looked as if he were repeatedly suffering brain death before returning to normal. As they focused on paper scrolling out of the brainwave monitor, only one nurse saw his eyes slip shut at the same moment his head hit the pillow. His brainwaves immediately changed to that of deep sleep, then flatlined for the last time as his heart simultaneously stopped. So as soon as he fell asleep, he died. Hence the time to stay awake thing. I don't know yeah. if it was the falling asleep that killed him, or if it was, I don't know, the intestines on the floor and the surgery and everything else that killed him. <sighs> Maybe it was everything. No, well, it could it be a combination. combination of the trauma. The other patient, his brainwaves showed the same flat lines as the one who just died from falling asleep. The commander gave the order to seal the chamber with the subject inside, as well as three researchers. Oh, no. One of the named three immediately drew his gun and shot the commander point blank between the eyes. He pointed his gun at the remaining subject, still restrained, and as the remaining members of the medical and research team fled the room, said, I won't be locked in here with these things, not with you. He screamed at the man strapped to the table. What are you? He demanded. I must know. The subject smiled and he said, have you forgotten so easily? We are you. We are the madness that lurks within you all, begging to be freed at every moment in your deepest animal mind. We are what you hide from in your beds every night. We are what you sedate into silence when you go to the nocturnal haven where we cannot tread. The researcher paused, then aimed the subject's heart and fired. The EEG flatlined as the subject weakly choked out. So nearly free. Creepy. The end. Creepy. Right? That, uh, that, that's, that's a creepy, it's a creepy pasta. That's why they call it that, because it's creepy. Now, I've heard stories of the sleep studies before where they keep prisoners awake to, you know, see how long it is until you physically die from sleep exhaustion mm-hmm. and I don't know, remember the exact amount of days but it's sometime after day seven is when <clears throat> all the craziness hits in yeah but I'm, I've never heard it go that crazy it can get pretty crazy now I have a list here of symptoms or of sleep deprivation sleepiness causes accidents we all know that obviously so you're tired you're, your head's all fuzzy. You're not paying attention. You're running like something. When you're driving, mm-hmm. right? And this happens. This is when you know you're sleeping faster when you're driving to work. Yeah. And because you're taking the same route that you take all the time. And you're awake one moment and you're just driving. And then the next moment you realize you're four or five miles away. Mm-hmm. Even though you're still in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah, you probably dozed off. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I've done that before. <laughs> yes. Creepy feeling. It is. I don't like it. Wasn't great. Sleep loss dumbs you down. It makes you stupid. Yes. That's why sleep is good. Yes. Did you know that women need more sleep than men? I did not. Mm-hmm. Is that why we're smarter? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! I did not confirm nor deny <laughs> that women are smarter or than men. I know women live longer than men because we don't do as many stupid things. It's also because we get more sleep. We try to get more sleep. 
Oh, well, we need more sleep, I we guess. We do need more sleep. It's, mm. I, there's been a, lot, a whole bunch of studies out there that women need more sleep than men. Yeah. But we also say a lot more words than men do. Well, because we're not as sleep deprived, which is why we live longer, men don't sleep as much, therefore they die sooner, which is my bullet point number three. Sleep deprivation can lead to serious health problems. Such as heart issues, heart disease, heart attack, heart failure, irregular heartbeat, high blood pressure, stroke, diabetes. And death. Well, all those can cause death. That's why and death. <laughs> yes, and death. <laughs> Number four. Ah, oh, this one sucks. Lack of sleep kills sex drive. I can oh, believe that. I could too. I'm too tired to do anything tonight. I'm going to sleep. You just do what you need to do. <laughs> as long as you gave consent, it's fine. <laughs> and you do. Even even as a married couple, you still need to give consent. Yes. Because you can, your spouse can still rape you. Yes. So you still need to give consent every single time. Absolutely. But, but yes, yeah, sleep deprivation <laughs> can ruin sex. Yes. Fifth thing, sleep, sleepiness is depressing. You have a higher... A possibility of depression by lack of sleep. I can believe that too. Yeah. I agree. Sixth thing, lack of sleep ages your skin. Yes. That sucks. I'm going to look old. That's why you need to hydrate properly and get enough sleep so you look younger. Sleepiness makes you forgetful. I must be sleep deprived all the time because I forget everything. I feel like that's just your pregnancy brain that just never came back. I, <laughs> I'm pregnant all the time. You should let Tyler know. <laughs> that's probably not good. <laughs> this makes a lot of, okay, a lot of these things are making me think that maybe I need to get more sleep. Because the next one is it, it can make you gain weight. And you've been losing weight, though. No, I haven't. You look like you have. Oh, well, thank you. You're welcome. But I haven't. It's probably just the shirt I'm wearing. <laughs> yeah, that's because, so your digestive system mm-hmm. kind of kicks in overdrive when you're sleeping. And your metabolism, that's when it does its stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you're not sleeping, then it doesn't have time to do what it needs to do. Hence, the loss of metabolism and the gain of the weight. Yeah. That makes sense. It's also why pregnant people sleep a lot. I need to sleep. In fact, can I curl up right now and go to sleep? No, we have to finish the podcast. <sighs> oh, fine. Okay. And then you can go to bed and I'll eat your tacos. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. All right. Last thing. Sleep loss impairs judgment, especially about sleep. Yes. Which I find ironic and hilarious. There's got to be something in there... At- Maybe I need to do my research on it, but I swear, like, because of lock, last, yeah. I swear because of the lack of sleep, there's some kind of medical thing where you literally do, like, your skin gets worse and your hair starts to fall out and your nails and Yeah, that was that the whole, stuff. your skin starts to look bad. Yeah, but I feel like it should have been more in depth. Like, you need sleep, otherwise. It's- this is really just sleep deprivation. This is the lack of having enough okay. sleep. I wasn't, like, going with the whole... Sleep, you know. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, there is a uh, gentleman by the name of Randy Gardner who holds the record of the most amount of time 
staying awake. And he didn't rip his intestines out? He did not rip his intestines out. Good for him. Yeah. He's a record holder. He set the record for longest a human has gone without sleep in 1964. He was a high school student in San Diego, California, who stayed awake for 11 days and 25 minutes. 11 days with no sleep. Why would you do that to yourself? To see if he could. I mean, I guess that's an answer, but that's not the answer I was looking for. <laughs> the uh, This broke the record. The record beforehand was 260 hours held by a disc jockey named Tom Rounds in Honolulu, Hawaii. For this 11 days, so they could prove it, was attended by Stanford sleep researcher Dr. William C. DeMint. His health was monitored... Uh, by a few other other people, because obviously they had to sleep. Yeah. So it was a, a few people who kind of went back and forth monitoring his health, making sure he was still okay. His experiment demonstrated that extreme sleep deprivation has very little effect in his case. Other than mood changes, he got really aggravated very easily, which makes sense. You're tired. That happens. Yeah. But other than that, he, nothing seemed to change. The one thing that he said was hard for him was knowing if he was awake. Because you're in that haze that you just don't know if you're awake or asleep. And at times, he wouldn't remember certain things and think he was dreaming other things. Hmm. So his reality was just like shifted. But other than that and weird moods, mood swings, he was fine. So that was 11 days. Now, in the story that we did, the Russian sleep experiment, they were awake for 15 days. Yeah. But they also had that weird gas thing. My number one thing is, could this be real? Obviously, we know it's a creepypasta. Therefore, most people generally think, no, this is not real. It's just a story. Someone made it up. A lot of the things in there do seem fantastical. Like... This couldn't happen. And who would ever do that to another human being anyways? You say that, but look at some of the other stories that we've already talked about, about people doing creepy things to people. And there's things that people have done to each other throughout history that show you that it doesn't matter. Most people, like, depending on what's going on, Mm -hmm. people do weird things. People Like the Vikings with the... Uh, Split Eagle or the Flying Eagle or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, who would naturally... Okay, but that's in, like... I know, I know, that's bad. Still, I mean, they still knew right from wrong. They probably still knew that killing was wrong, yet they still did it. And this time, they keep them awake as they rip their... Yes. So there are... People do weird things, especially through experiments, prior to other people saying, no, that's really wrong, you can't do this. Yes. And you would like to think that at least the government or people in charge would be like, no, that's going a little overboard, these are still humans. Yes. Regardless if they're prisoners, they're still humans. And I think nowadays it's getting better. Okay, sure. But I can see in the past that definitely happening. All right. Let me tell you a little story that also happened in the Soviet Union, and this one is real. And it started in 1921 and continued through most of the 21st century. I didn't say all of us. I just I, this- I'm just saying there were poison laboratories... These laboratories were covert research facilities 
of the secret police agencies. Prisoners were exposed to a number of deadly poisons, and the purpose was to find a tasteless, odorless chemical that could not be detected post-mortem. The tested poisons included mustard gas, ditoxin, and a couple more that I can't pronounce. Men and women of various ages and physical conditions were brought into the laboratories and given the poisons as medication or part of a meal or drink. So this happened into the 21st century. I can believe it. It's just terrible. I wasn't saying it wasn't terrible. I said I can believe it. Oh, no. Well, I mean, if you look into the study of psychology, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of tests that they used to do nowadays are deemed inhumane. Yeah. And they would not do them. Yeah. But they had to, you know, at some point do them. Same like with the first medical records where they actually did the exploratory surgeries on people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people were still alive when they did those. Ugh. And some of you out there may be thinking, yeah, but this was in Russia. Like, I'm sorry, the Soviet Union. They were a communist and they were horrible and they did bad things to their prisoners. Let me tell you. This happened here in the U.S. as well. I can believe it. It's all right. He's still, he's still hunting while we do it. Is podcast. he hunting or is he looking for toys? He could be doing... He's hunting for toys and for rats. It's like every time he tries to find a rat, he finds a toy, so... <laughs> oh, no, he's back to the... You said toy, so he, oh. his mind went back to the toy. All right. But now he's smelling with a toy in his mouth. <laughs> My fierce hunter walks around with a toy in his mouth while hunting. That's fine. Way to go, dog. Hopefully he puts the toy down if he finds something to kill. I'm sure he would. Good. Anyway. Anyway. In 1954, the CIA developed an experiment called Project QK Hilltop to study Chinese brainwashing techniques, which they then used to develop new methods of interrogation. The leading researcher was Dr. Harold Wolfe of Cornell University, After requesting that the CIA provide him with information on imprisonment, deprivation, humiliation, torture, brainwashing, hypnosis, and more. Wolf's research team began to formulate a plan through which they would develop secret drugs and various brain-damaging procedures. According to a letter he wrote in order to fully test the effects of the harmful research, Wolf expected the CIA to make available suitable subjects, and they did. The U.S. is no better. We suck. It's inhumane. It is inhumane. And things like this happened all throughout American history. There has been several things that have happened. People were were forcefully contracted malaria. They were forcefully contracting STDs. The government was doing this to unwitting, unknowing populations of the U.S., And it's just sick. It's sick and twisted. So honestly, can you really say that the Russian sleep experiment actually didn't happen? I mean, there's no evidence saying that it did, and there's no evidence saying that it didn't. And every story, true or false, has some kind of truth to it. Where else would it start from? Yeah. Every story, I think, does have at least a kernel of truth in it. Somewhere. Somewhere within that. So why sometimes yes. the best lies are mostly truths. So that's that's just what I'm wondering is I don't think it's that far out to think that this possibly happened. Maybe not in Russia. 
maybe it happened in China or somewhere else, but maybe something like this did happen somewhere. And the records were destroyed. I would destroy them too. I would too. That's some crazy crap. But that's the end of our uh, podcast episode today. Darren, I need a joke. I, I got one. Okay. <laughs> I just found it. So I searched uh, dad jokes with, you know, sleep. Yeah. And this one popped up. And I've got two. One goes back to the whole, you know, sex thing. <laughs> yeah. Not the first one I had to read. The other one. <laughs> and the other one has to deal with Stephen Hawking's. Okay. Stephen Hawking's death was purely accidental. He clicked shut down instead of sleep. <laughs> That's great. And this one I thought was just kind of comical just because it went back to a conversation that I was having with my husband earlier today. Mm. If women, if a woman sleeps with 10 men, she's a slut. But if a man does it, he's gay. <laughs> Definitely gay. Definitely gay. <laughs> oh, those are good ones. It was just, they were right underneath each other and I'm like, okay, the, both of these are Hilarious. Good job. Oh, there's a Chuck Norris one. Oh, next week. No. Next week, Taryn. No. I can't laugh oh, too much. You're going to kill me. No, because you'll just go to bed. <laughs> oh, okay. Chuck Norris sleeps with the lights on. Not because he's afraid of the darkness, but because the darkness is afraid of him. No. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Tyler has tons of those Chuck Norris books. Loves. See, some of the Chuck Norris jokes I think are kind of funny. Yeah, some of them are, are mildly funny. And then there's other ones that are just, like, seriously, you're just starting That's the name out stupid. there. yeah. You know what I mean? But I that agree. One, that one was kind of funny, especially with the whole, you know, the darkness thing back with the crazy yeah. guy said right before he died. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, so those are my three jokes. I like them. Those are good. All right, guys, we're at the end here. If you would please rate and review us on iTunes or any of your other podcasting apps, this helps other people find us and listen to us. If you like us, share us, make your family and friends listen to us. Going on a long road trip, just say, hey, we're going to listen to this podcast. That's what I do to my husband. So you should do that because we're awesome and you love us, right? Time will tell. <laughs> that loves us. Thank you. <laughs> that never to my stops. weird beeping box. To the aliens. <laughs> to the aliens. Thank you, aliens. <laughs> you can contact me or Taryn, because I'll give it to her, through my email, heather at fortweirdpodcast.com. You can visit our website, which I updated with pictures. Yay. At fortweirdpodcast.com. You can also follow, get a hold of us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Fort Weird Pod for all three of those. I also created a fan page on Facebook. It is the Fort Weird Pod fan group. So if you want to join, go ahead and ask. I will accept. And then you can start posting it in the community, all of your other fun weird things, whatever you want. It's going to be a good time, guys. That's the end of our podcast, and I hope that you listen to us next week. 
See you later. See ya. Bye. The existence of this